Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church and School right here in the heart of Chicago. I pray that you find hope and peace in the message of Christ and Him crucified for you in your life right now. Thank you for listening. And please, if you'd like to support the mission going on right here, uh, please go to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org, to donate. Thank you. Paul says, I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. As a uh, parent, uh, parents, have you ever uh, thrown a thrown a game to your uh, to your child? Have you ever thrown a game? You don't have to. You don't let, need to let them know. They can't see you. They're up here. You ever, uh, you're lost on purpose before. I bet uh, I bet many of you know that maybe you should, but I bet you, you don't, right? Because you don't like to lose, right? Uh, but you've done that, right? Have you done that? You beat your kids so many times at checkers or chess or what's your favorite game? Mario Kart, that's Minecraft, uh, that's, you know, you feel, uh, I need to let them win. But, but why do you do that, you know, like you could win all the time, maybe you, you feel like I need to beat them every time because they need to learn a hard life lesson, life stakes, I don't know, that's, just, you leave it to yourself, I don't want to know your thoughts on that, but I, I remember with my kids being at this age, uh, for sure, I don't know what we were doing. It might have been like a Mario Kart. Well, no, they beat me every single time on that. Never mind. Uh, it might have been checkers or chess, you know. You're teaching, you're winning, but I definitely would let them lose some, or let, my, let them lose. I'd let myself lose sometimes. I'd throw that match. And why? Why would I lose on purpose so my kid would win? To be kind, right? Does it feel good to win? Yeah. And maybe over time it's like, well, they keep on losing. It kind of builds your self-esteem, right, to win. That's why I might do that. And also, like, what's the ultimate goal that I have teaching chess? Besides teaching them chess, hanging out with my kids, right? Having fun, building a relationship with them. So therefore, sometimes I'm going to lose the game because I love them. And I want them to trust me and hang out, and I just want our relationship to thrive, right? Sometimes you got to lose to win. Paul uh, talks about that in the, the ninth chapter of his letter to the church in Corinth. Now, it seems like there were some people that might have been spreading the rumor that Paul uh, maybe doesn't know what he's talking about because he, had been, he, he probably had kind of corrected them a couple times. And maybe some people are trying to doubt whether his intentions are sincere, right? Maybe spread a little rumor, all oh, this Paul, don't listen to him. I'm not sure he's a real apostle, etc. And Paul says this. He says this, and this, is just, this really fascinated me this week. He says, if I preach the gospel, that is, Christ died and rose for you for free and gives it to you for free. If I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. I'm not doing it to look good. He says this, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. What's he saying? He has no choice. He knows the gospel now. He knows that 
God actually loves him, that Jesus died for him for free and gives him total grace, he of all people who actually had people of the church killed. And he lives in that forgiveness. And he knows it, and he can't stop talking about it. It's not some kind of a choice. He goes on to say that um, he's doing this out of his own will. He's not doing it for money. He's not doing it to get paid. He's doing it because he's got no choice. It's captured him, and he can't stop talking about it. And I, it really dawned on me, uh, thinking about this, studying this, praying on this this week, that oftentimes people ask me, why did you go? What made you decide to be a pastor, go to seminary, etc.? And I, I would always say, I, I, and it's true, I suppose, that I really was interested in Hebrew and Greek and the academic aspect. I really kind of was looking for a school to go on, PhD, and maybe teach or whatever. And then I got to seminary, and next thing you know, they have you uh, um, working at a church, and I'm visiting the sick, and I'm visiting the dying, and next thing you know, I'm being a pastor, doing pastor things. And here I am. But that's not really the, the ultimate reason right now. I've been thinking, i got a lot of things I love to do. Why am I a pastor still? Sorry, I've thought about that. Not because I, I love it here. And I realized I have no choice. The good news of Christ, I remember, I remember the first time I heard it. I was in my 20s. And I, I was a Christian before. I doesn't mean I wasn't saved, but I heard for the first time in clarity, maybe it's because something was in my ears before, I don't know, the period at the end of the gospel. That Jesus died and rose and completely saves you, period. Not comma, but you have to. Final. It's finished. It's a completely free gift and is absolutely not contingent upon you paying it back, having potential, whatever it is. Done. Gift. Free. And it just blew my mind. And again, I might have heard it before. And from there on, I can't stop thinking about it. That I get to totally stand in confidence, no matter what I've done or who I am, and I'll be okay. Forgiven, and I will rise again, and it's not dependent on me in any way, not even in having a strong faith, but on Christ. That's empowering. And it's grabbed me and captured me and compels me to make sure other people know that there's hope in this world and there's peace in this world and that God is actually for them. And I can't stop. Sorry. So here I am. I won't stop. But when Paul talks about this, he's not just talking about him as an individual. I think it's really important as a church to listen to what Paul's saying here. Because you know, I think that uh, over the centuries... As Christianity started out with one person, Jesus, converting strangers in Jerusalem, far away, in a culture that you're not even familiar with, right? And it spread to, to Greece, and it spread to North Africa, and then next you know, it's hanging out, spreading to the barbarians, the Germans, and finally, the Irish. And then it comes over to the U.S. And next thing you know, many people are Christian. 
And we've inherited sort of like a cultural church Christianity. People are Christian and our leaders are Christian and you don't think anything of it. And I think the church got used to that and that's okay, it happens. Nobody's fault. But it forgot its first love and the essence of the message and what it was called to do. And it became sort of, and I think we're feeling it now because not everybody's Christian in America. It's very different. You can't just assume that someone's going to agree with your opinion. People don't just walk into church. And it causes us to rethink, why are we here in the first place? I love it. These are the, these are the best times to be Christian and to be the church. Everywhere. Let alone right here in Chicago. That's why I came here. These are awesome times. Because we get to get down to the basics. We can't just assume things and take things for granted. That people just sort of know what you're talking about. And Paul talks about it in this way. When it comes to the essence of the church. What is it? It's the gospel. That Christ died for human beings, all sinners, dying and gives them forgiveness and eternal life. That's the essence. It's not an institution, simply that. It's not a cultural uh, offering to help society. It's not a lion's club to do good works. It's not a reminder of morality. The essence of the church and the message is the gospel. It's totally freeing. And how do you get that gospel across we've forgotten? Paul talks about. What does he say? He says, though I am free from all. In other words, I'm under Christ. I am free. I've made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. I'm going to lose to win. To the Jews, and he is, by the way, right? He's not culturally appropriating. To the Jews, I became as a Jew. In other words, when I'm hanging around people who are eating kosher and following the Mosaic law, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to make a big deal of it or say, I'm in Christ. I don't need to do this anymore. No. What you do in your home, I'm going to do. He goes on to say to those who are outside of the law, they don't know anything about the Torah. They don't know anything about unclean or clean or what you're supposed to eat. They're living lives, worshiping other gods. Well, he says this, for those outside the law, that's what he means by that, I became as one outside the law. It doesn't mean I'm not going to follow the Ten Commandments, but I'm going to go and hang out with people. I'm not going to make sure that their house is how it should be for me. I'm not going to come in, the first thing I'm going to say is, I can't eat this, I can't eat that. Or, you're wrong, all these different aspects of your life are wrong. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. I didn't comment upon how crazy their lifestyle is. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them its blessings. And what this means for him is that he would do this. And what's the purpose? He's being sincere. He's not being fake. He empathizes. Who am I to judge? And who am I to lead with these cultural things? Or even these moral things that are true. 
So what Paul does is he could, say, he could argue to his friends, hey, you don't need to eat kosher anymore. Jesus died. We don't live it. He could argue with how they're living. That's crazy. How are you living? Why are you doing this to yourself? He could win that argument. He could win that battle. But he lose the ultimate prize. That person. To bring them into the hope and peace of Christ. By throwing up immediate obstacles. Does that make sense? It stops them from listening to the kernel, the good news that you have. Doesn't mean those things aren't important, but sometimes you've got to lose those things, especially when they're your opinions. And for us as the church, it is so important that we remove those obstacles. Like we don't lead with, you know, we should have higher taxes for the government. Nor should you lead with, you know, Jesus would think we should have lower taxes. Jesus doesn't care about taxes. And you just stop someone from listening to you. Or caring. Does that make sense? We do this in many different ways, but even in stuff that we're right on. You don't lead with those things. Your goal isn't to get people... Your goal is not to win an argument. That's not the goal of the faith. It is to win human beings. And to give them this gift of forgiveness and grace in the God is for them. And if you've got to lose some arguments so you can tell them about Jesus, so be it. That's what Paul's saying. Because that is the blessing, that is the gift, Jesus. And who better does this than Jesus? <laughs> who hung out with tax collectors? What that means is people that were not doing good things. And he wasn't saying it's okay. But he didn't say anything. He had dinner with them to get to know them, to hang out with them, so they would trust him. Because he's knowing that he's actually for them when he dies on the cross for them. And the Pharisees always would say that. They would say, like, look at Jesus. What do you mean? You can't be holy. You're hanging around with tax collectors. They didn't get it. But Jesus was after people. And so much wanted them to have hope and peace. That he would go and hang out with them where they were at. And how much more do we see in Jesus? Think about this. Talk about losing to win the same Jesus. Let us call him names. Let us nail him to the cross and didn't win the argument, fight back or prove that he's God just to show that he's right and we're wrong. Because he is and he could have. But instead, absolutely lost to win you. Lay down his life, his sword, his wrath, his power, his might. So that you would see he loves you. And more than that, by the cross, he paid the price for you. And through the empty tomb rose again for you, and it is free. May that good news capture your head and never let go of you. May you be obsessed with it that you know it's going to be okay. And may it compel you 
to see people as other sinners just like you that need that grace and that hope in Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.